Well, good morning. Hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I had a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for asking. Um, I did something new this Thanksgiving. Uh, I did my first turkey trot. Have you heard of these things? Like where people wake up early on Christmas Eve to go run for fun and enjoyment. So uh, I did that for the first time this year against my better judgment. And I uh, actually really enjoyed it. It was actually a lot of fun. And that's pretty much the end of that story. But uh, today we are in week two of a series that we're calling Find Your Five. And this series is all about the five people, uh, the five types of people that everybody needs in, in, in our lives. Every one of us needs these five types of people in our lives. And the reason that we're doing this series is because uh, in our culture, in our society today, we have kind of a, a, a friendship decline. Um, you know, we, we, are, we all know this, like we are, we are more connected than we've ever been, right, more digitally connected, but in a lot of ways, we're more disconnected, more isolated, more shallow in our relationships than we've ever been. You know, there's so many people that are surrounded by people, but yet feel utterly alone. There was actually a study done on, on uh, kind of the state of American friendship uh, last year, and... Um, the study found that 49% of people surveyed said they had uh, three or fewer close friends, right? That doesn't sound too bad. Um, 12% of the people surveyed said they had zero. They had no close friends at all. And 12% doesn't sound that bad until you compare it to about 30 years ago when they did a similar study, a similar survey in 1990. And at that point, it was, it was only 3% of America that said they had zero close friends. And so actually, what some of these studies show is that really since 1950, uh, close friendship in America has just been steadily on the decline. And, and they predict that that will, that will continue. Um, but the issue is not just kind of out there. Um, we also have a bit of a friendship issue in here, in here, in Relevant Community Church. We did our own survey last year. Last fall, we surveyed our church. About 550 of you took this survey. We asked 10 questions about relationships, 10 questions about friendships within our church. And uh, of those 10 questions, the one that you guys rated yourself the lowest on was this. I have a friend at Relevant who is helping me follow Jesus and who I am helping do the same. So this is what you guys rated yourselves lowest on. And 45%, over 45% uh, rated themselves uh, that they never, rarely, or just sometimes have a friend at Relevant that's leading them closer to Jesus or helping them follow Jesus. So if those numbers are representative of our church, that means nearly half of our church doesn't have a friend that's leading them closer to Jesus, or at least not on a consistent basis. And obviously, that's a problem, right? Uh, because if we're not finding those types of friendships here in the church, where, where community is supposed to be built, where we're supposed to sharpen each other, then it's unlikely that we're going to find that somewhere else. And so, uh, really, that's why we did this series. I mean, Ronnie likes to say, uh, our, our friendships determine the direction and the quality of our lives, and so we did this series not, not to talk about five people that are going to make you happy, not about five people that are going to make your life better, but really five types of people that we all need in our lives in order to help us experience life transformation, in order uh, for us to experience transformation. And transformation is something that we want to experience, right? We want to grow and change and become better and improve. We talk about transformation all the time here at Relevant. Talk about it all the time. It's one of our big things. And there may be some of you that every time we talk about transformation, you kind of feel like you're missing the boat. You kind of feel like, 
Why am I not experiencing what you're talking about? Why am I not experiencing this transformation uh, in my life? Why am I still struggling with the same habits, personality issues, temptations, relationship issues? When am I going to change? When am I going to experience this transformation that you talk about so much? And, and for me, believe me, I totally get this. For me, I want so badly and I struggle so much with wanting to become more of everything that God created me to be. Right? I'm tired of struggling with the same stuff that I've struggled with for years. Sometimes it, it just feels like it takes forever for, for, for God to change me or, or, or transform me or grow me. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm taking one step forward and then two steps back. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like there's things in your lives that just don't ever quite seem to change? Do you, do you kind of see things in other people's lives and you're like, ah, I wish I could get there. I wish I could become more like that person or, or have that trait. I wish I could... Uh, be that kind of person or spouse or parent or leader or Christ follower. And the reality is God wants what you want. God wants to transform you more into everything that he has created you to be. He wants that. But there's something that we need to recognize when it comes to transformation. Right? We, we, we want so badly to try to transform ourselves, but true transformation is something that only God can do. Right? We're, what we're not talking about is behavior modification, right? We can modify our behavior, but a lot of our behavior comes from something within us that we can't transform. It comes from soul-level, heart-level stuff that only God can transform. And, and, and we can, like I said, we can try to transform ourselves, we can try to modify our behavior, but it just doesn't, it doesn't work. But the way that God transforms us is when we uh, follow Jesus one next step at a time. So Ronnie talks about this a lot, how transformation happens by following Jesus one next step at a time. So that's our part. We can't transform ourselves, but our part is to follow Jesus one next step at a time. The more that we are following Jesus, are trying to follow Jesus, the more we're transformed. But following Jesus is super hard, right? And so I know there's probably some of you that when I talk about how we're transformed is how we follow Jesus, you're like, I'm trying to do that, Right? I'm trying to follow him. It's really, really stinking hard. And you're right. And that's why we were never called to do this alone. We were never called to follow Jesus alone. But in our isolated culture, so many of us are trying to do that. We're trying to kind of live within our own bubble and follow Jesus within our own bubble. And it's so hard. It's, it's hard to follow Jesus, period. It's way harder to follow Jesus on our own. For me... So much of my transformation has happened because of other people pouring into my life. So that's why we say all the time, we talk about this all the time at Relevant, it's kind of a big theme at, at our church, uh, also a big theme in this series, is that transformation doesn't happen in isolation. Transformation doesn't happen in isolation. Like I said, so much of my transformation in my life has been because of others in my life. People who have encouraged me, sharpened me, challenged me, shown me an example to follow. People that are, that are vision casters, like Matt talked about last week. People that see things in me that I don't see in myself and point it out to me. Do you have people like that in your life? Have you had them? Do you have them now? There's a book that I'm reading uh, called Soul Care and, uh, by an author named Rob Reimer. And uh, he talks about three gateways to life change. Three things that lead to life change. And one of them is uh, teaching you're experiencing now, right, teaching. So just learning more, applying more, learning more knowledge. Another one is the power of God. 
right, what we talked about, God's the only one that can truly transform us. The third one is true community. So these are, th- these are three things that to him are three ingredients for life change. And I feel like we're so good at the first two, right? We're, we're good at showing up on Sunday morning and, and learning. We're good at reading. We listen to podcasts. Like the teaching and the learning and the absorbing information is something that we're pretty good at. And maybe uh, we're even good at asking God, like, God, transform me, change me. Fix this in my life. Make me better. Make me less this and more this. But I think when it comes to the, the third one, true community, Ah, oh, we're too busy, we don't have time. It's just not a priority for, for a lot of us. And I think that's one of the reasons that it just makes it harder for us to follow Jesus because we're trying to do it alone. We're kind of removing one of those gateways for life change. And this author, Rob Reimer, you know, we have our version that we say transformation doesn't happen in isolation. This is how he says it. He says, there is no breakthrough in secrecy. There's no breakthrough in secrecy. There's no breakthrough when we're all uh, trying to do this on our own. So in this series, we're trying to help you understand who you need in your life and why you need them. And we're trying to give you some tips and things uh, on how to find these five different types of people. So last week, Matt talked about uh, vision caster. He talked about how, um, you know, we need people that can see beyond what we can see for ourselves. I love this. He, he, he said, we need people who uh, call out of us what God put in us. Right? Vision casters. We need vision casters in our lives. This week, we're talking about how we need a model. How we need a model in our lives. And when I say model, I'm sure that conjures up all kinds of different images for you. Right? I'm sure when we hear the word model, we think, a lot of us probably think fashion model, right? I know a fashion model. A lot of you do too. You just may not realize it. Um, about 12 years ago, I lived, uh, my wife and I and, and kids lived in Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, Ronnie, and our, our lead pastor, and his wife, Christy, also lived in Birmingham. And at the time, Misty's mom, my wife, Misty, I'm Misty's husband, uh, <laughs> Misty's mom, we're all just kind of known by our proximity to Misty, so Misty's mom, Misty's husband, my kids are Misty's kids. My dad's here, that's Misty's father-in-law. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, anyway, Misty's mom owns, a, her name is Beth, she has a name, uh, she owns a, like a beauty, or did own a beauty salon, beauty spa thing, um, I don't know what it's called, um, <laughs> and she had this, this product for men, she called it the Top Gun Package, and she needed a model, she needed somebody that could just do this photo shoot and, and model the Top Gun Package so that men would be like, oh, that looks cool, I want to buy that. Who do you think she chose as her model. Take a look. So I'm just going to leave that up there for a few minutes just to absorb. You can take pictures if you'd like. It just makes me laugh. If you don't know who that is, that's our lead pastor, Ronnie. Uh, Many years ago, uh, not quite as many tattoos and muscles were a little smaller. My favorite part is uh, is the private jet. I mean, it looks almost exactly like the fighter jet that's in Top Gun, doesn't it? So, anyway, um, where am I going next here? Uh, So, yeah, so what we're not saying is that you need a fashion model in your life. Um, We're not saying that's one of the types of people you need in your life. But the idea of a fashion model, the concept of a fashion model, isn't that far off from what we're talking about. Because, um, you know, models show us what something looks like in real life. Right? Models help us take something we wish was true about our lives and see what it looks like in real life. Right? We can see what it looks like on them so that we can see what it could look like 
on us. And so what we mean by model in, this, in, in, in what we're talking about today is this. Here's kind of a simple definition for a model. Someone who is a step ahead of us that we can follow. Someone that's a step or two ahead of us that we can follow. Because when it comes to experiencing growth and change, following a model, following an example, makes transformation so much easier. And as I said, transformation is something that God does in us as we follow Jesus one, one step at a time. So today's big idea is that following a model makes it easier to follow Jesus. Following a model makes it easier to follow Jesus. There's a poet named uh, Oliver Goldsmith, and he says this about models. He says, people seldom improve when they have no model but themselves to copy after. People seldom improve. We seldom improve when we have no model but ourselves to copy after. Another author, Bob Goff, says this. He says, we don't need more information. He talks about how informa- the amount of information that we get doubles like every six months. It's like there's, there's so much information in the world we can't possibly absorb it. He says we don't need more information, we need more examples. Following a model makes it easier to follow Jesus. And so here's kind of my question uh, to challenge you guys with today is who are you following that makes it easier for you to follow Jesus? Who are you following that makes it easier for you to follow Jesus? This isn't a new concept, it's not a new idea. It's actually something that the writers in the New Testament talk about all throughout the New Testament, especially Paul. This idea of, you know, in the New Testament of of younger, newer, immature, maybe even struggling uh, followers of Jesus learning from and imitating people that are a little bit further down the road. And Paul talks about this principle in a letter that he wrote to a very immature, very inexperienced church in the city, the Greek city of Corinth. And so we're actually going to look at two passages in this letter of 1 Corinthians um, where Paul is talking to this immature, uh, inexperienced audience. And so, as I said, it's, it's the, the Greek city of Corinth. Um, man, Corinth was just like known as this super depraved, sinful uh, worshiping idols, worshiping pagan gods. There was religious prostitution. Actually, the word to Corinthianize became synonymous um, with sexual immorality. So like they meant the same thing. Um, So this is obviously just a a tough place uh, to have a church because it it just invaded, uh, the culture around it just invaded the church culture. And so Paul had just to do a lot of correction with uh, the Corinthians. And so 1 Corinthians is sort of known as a... um, a book that's all about helping them develop holy character. And so Paul writes this letter to the church in Corinth to instruct them in their areas of uh, immaturity, to correct false teaching and corrupt behavior. So we're going to look at two passages. The first one we're going to look at is in 1 Corinthians 4. And basically what Paul's doing here is uh, in 1 Corinthians 4 leading up to the, the, the part we're going to look at is he's, he's chastising um, the Corinthian church for their religious arrogance. Basically, uh, though they were immature, though they were inexperienced, uh, they were kind of like, we don't, need, we don't need Paul, we don't need his leadership, we don't need his help, we've got this figured out. And so uh, after spending some time kind of humbling them and helping them realize their, their immaturity, Paul says this. He says, therefore, because of your immaturity, he doesn't say that, that's what I'm saying, that's my note for me. Uh, therefore, because of your immaturity, because of what I've experienced, I urge you to imitate me. I urge you to imitate me. 
And at first glance, this can sound kind of arrogant and kind of cocky, like, Paul, you're not Jesus, you're just a man. But really what Paul's doing here, like if you think about it like Michael Jordan. So like if a, if a teenager was wanting to get better at basketball and Michael Jordan offered to help this teenager out and tell him like, hey, here's, here's some things that I've done, here's some, some ways I've found success, and the teenager was like, nah, I'm good. I think, I, I think I'll figure it out by myself. Like, that would be really stupid, right? And so that's sort of what's going on here, where Paul's like, let me help you. I've found success in this. Let me help you. And the Corinthians are like, nah, I think we got it. Um, and so Paul continues. Uh, he says, for this reason. So he says, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And he says, for this reason, I have sent you Timothy, my son. Not his actual son, kind of his spiritual son, somebody he had mentored. Uh, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus. So basically what Paul is saying here to the Corinthians is, you're off track. You're trying to do this alone, and you're failing, and you need help. Here, watch how I do it. Watch how I do it. In fact, I'm going to help, I'm going to send you someone, until I can come to you, I'm going to send you someone who has learned from me, who has followed my example, that you can follow his example until I can get there to show you. So early on in 1 Corinthians, we see this principle of imitating another Christ follower. Uh, a few chapters later in, in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, comes at the end of a section of the letter where Paul is addressing kind of some questionable questionable behavior in the Corinthian church. You know, continuing to point out their immaturity, continuing to point out their need for help as they're, as they're trying to follow Christ. And so um, in, uh, in chapter 10, Paul's instructing them uh, around a principle um, that is basically, like, he's, he's basically telling them, hey, just because it's not wrong for you to do something doesn't make it a good idea, doesn't make it wise. Um, without getting to all the details of what he's talking about, he's basically saying, don't just think of yourself and what is wrong for you. Think about if your behavior is negatively impacting someone else. So a good way to look at it, maybe in today's context, could be uh, drinking alcohol. So drinking alcohol is not necessarily wrong for Christ followers. However, it's probably not a good idea to drink alcohol in the presence of someone else who may be struggling with alcohol addiction, right? That wouldn't be wise. Just because it's not wrong for you doesn't make it wise for you to do it. So this is kind of the principle that Paul is pointing out for the Corinthian church. And so he's kind of pointing this out, and he's basically saying, do what's best for others, not just yourself. And so Paul knows this principle of self-denial is difficult for these young, immature Christians. And so he says this. He says, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. And then, before moving on to a completely different subject, Paul kind of wraps this whole section of Scripture up, this whole several chapters of Scripture, um, before he moves on. And he gives, he gives the Corinthians a practical step that they can take as they seek to follow Jesus. And this is kind of our key verse for the day. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Other versions say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So Paul has these two sections of, uh, of scripture, two sections of instructions for the Corinthian church where he's calling out their immaturity. He's challenging them to do hard things, to grow, to change, to follow Christ. And he doesn't say, hey, you should pray more. You should read more. You should learn more. You should serve more. What he says for them to live out these difficult, challenging things that he's calling them to is he says, follow my example. 
Follow my example. Watch how I follow Jesus. Follow me as I follow him. And in turn, you will be following Jesus more. And here's what's key. Paul didn't say imitate Jesus. He didn't say imitate Jesus. He said imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Why? Why did he say that? Why would he say that? Why wouldn't he just tell them to imitate Jesus? It's because he knew it would be easier for them to imitate him as he imitated Jesus. It's because he knew that following a model makes it easier to follow Jesus. So what, is, what might this principle look like in our lives today, this principle of following a model? Like we see it in Scripture. What does it look like today? Well, I think it starts with asking what I, what I asked you earlier, which is, who are you following that's making it easier to follow Jesus? Who in your life are you following that's a step ahead of you in a specific area of life? Who can you imitate as they imitate Christ? Whose example can you follow? For me, I've had uh, many models throughout my life, many different people that, uh, because of their presence in my life, I've learned from their example. My dad is one of them. Um, my dad exemplified uh, for me growing up uh, what it meant to be a, man, a Christ-following man, a godly man, uh, a godly husband, a godly father. You know, it's, it's, his example is something I still draw on today still learn from today, recalling back to, to the man he was when I was growing up. Uh, I had a coach in high school that exemplified what devotion to God looked like, like what daily, regular time with God and, and prayer and scripture, what that looked like in everyday life. And, and it, for me, he exemplified what it looked like to persevere through absolutely horrible trials in his life and, and to stay faithful to God despite just unbearable things going on in his life. In college, I had a, uh, a fraternity brother named Scott who um, exemplified to me and modeled for me what it looked like to be faithful to God in the midst of all the temptations that come with college, what it looked like to be in the world but not of the world, getting out of college um, and, and, and kind of starting my life and beginning a family. Our, our pastor, Ronnie, top gun up there, uh, was a model for me. Big time, like someone who modeled what it looked like to live, intent, live with intention, uh, to, to lead his family with intention, to, to be financially uh, responsible, to, to be a good leader. When I moved here to Omaha, um, there's a guy that a lot of you know, Jeremy Petrosini. So he was our, one of our elders for a while until he and his family moved to Cleveland a couple years ago. Jeremy, for me, uh, modeled what it looks like to live a life of giving and serving and loving, to, give a, to live a life of selflessness and blessing others. And the last one that, that I can think of, um, Andy and Lori Williams, who are elders in our church, elder couple in our church. Andy and Lori have three sons, just like Misty and I have three sons. And so they're a few steps ahead of us. It's a nice way of saying they're older than us. Um, <laughs> and uh, so like we look to them as a model for how to raise three sons and what that looks like throughout life. What about you? Have you had models in your life? Do you have models currently, people, examples that you can follow as they follow Christ? I'm going to give you four steps to uh, how to find and follow a model in your life. The first one is to identify the change. So what we talked about at the beginning, identify the, the transforming work that you so desperately want God to do in your life and in your heart. What are the things that you wish you could change about your life or about your, your, your 
yourself? Uh, what are the things that you feel God wanting to transform in you? It could be becoming a better parent, a better spouse, a better follower of Jesus. It could be something specific that you struggle with, your health, finances, parenting. Uh, it could be a spiritual discipline like reading the Bible or, or praying or talking to others about Jesus. What is that thing or that quality or that trait that you're like, oh, man, I wish, I wish this would change? So identify the change. I don't think that will be hard for most of us. And then the second one is to find somebody who embodies it. Who looks more like God's design in that area of life than you do? Who looks more like Christ? You're not looking for an expert necessarily. Models aren't experts. You're just looking for someone that's a step or two ahead of you. And following Jesus in that area. Who seems to live that out? This could be something somebody you already knows. This model could be already in your life. It could be multiple different people. Or it could be somebody that you need to find. Like if you're sitting here and you're like, I do not have any good models in my life. Well, then you have to change your environments, right? So church is a great place to find models. I think we should probably put that on a t-shirt. I think attendance would skyrocket. Relevant. Great place to find models. Um, You know, but we say circles are better than rows. You heard Scott say it uh, in his baptism intro. Um, circles are better than rows. What we mean is here on Sunday morning, like if this is all we do, we're not going to get to know each other. We're not going to be able, as Matt talked about last week, to, for people to, to know us well, right, if we're always just sitting in rows. But we believe the best environment for the potential for these types of relationships that we're talking about to, to grow, uh, to ignite, to blossom, uh, for, for college students and adults is something we call T-Life groups. Um, for, for kids and students, uh, next-gen small groups at, at Rooted, at, at uh, Relevant Kids, at uh, Youth United. Um, these, we believe, are the best environments for the potential of these relationships to grow. And the, re- the reason we say potential is because just because you join one of these groups, and some of you may have experienced this, does not mean, does not guarantee that you're going to find incredible community or you're going to find your best friend or you're going to f- necessarily find these five types of people that we're talking about. However, these environments create the potential for that to happen. They create the potential for you to, to ignite a friendship or ignite a relationship or to see someone in that group that you're like, I'm noticing something different about them that, that I'd love to learn from them from, learn from them about. So if you're not in a T-Life group, I, I invite you to try one. You can see on the screens uh, our T-Life groups uh, open for signups in January. For a limited time only, you can uh, scan or text and get early access to uh, our T-Life groups towards the end of December, so you can sign up early, get in a group early. Uh, but if you've, already, um, if you've already been in a group, didn't have a great experience, as Matt said last week, I invite you to try it again. Um, because remember, transformation doesn't happen in isolation. You've got to put yourself in environments where there's potential for these kind of relationships to form and to flourish, to put yourself in environments where you can find people that embody what you want to change in your own life. Then when you find them, the third step is to watch and ask. Watch and ask. So ask, hey, I've really been struggling with this. You seem to be really good at this. Tell me me what that looks like in your life. How do you do that? Uh, Hey, your, your kids don't seem to be hell raisers. How'd, that, how'd you do that? <laughs> you know, how, how does that work? Tell me about your parenting. Tell me uh, what that looks like in your life. Hey, you seem to be peaceful. You seem to be at peace no matter what circumstances you're facing. Where does that come from? How do you how do, you do that in your life? So watch and ask. And, and I admit, for me, this is an area where I falter. 
Because I have great models in my life. I just listed off a bunch to you. Great models in my life. But I'm not intentional enough with those models. I don't ask them uh, for advice enough. I don't, I, don't, I don't say, hey, I notice this aspect of your life that, that I'd love to, to, to emulate in my own life. How do you do that? Teach me how, to do, how, how you do that. Um, I believe that if I did, if I was more intentional with the models in my life and, and watching and asking, I believe that my, my ability to follow Jesus would be a lot easier. The fourth step, do what they say. Apply what you learn from them. If it works for them, it's possible and probable that it will work from you or work for you. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus who wrote the book of James in the Bible, uh, he talks about uh, this, this principle of how learning without doing is pointless. Like, you know, if you learn and then you don't apply it, it's like, it's like looking in a mirror and then walking away and immediately forgetting what you look like. Right? So, so if we're going to if we're gonna identify the change and we're going to uh, find people who embody that change and we're going to watch and ask how they do it, we've got to apply it, right? We've got to actually do what they tell us to do. And it's probably going to be hard. So just prepare yourself for that. Because if it was easy, you probably already would have done it. Um, for an example of, of what this kind of finding a model and following a model might look like in real life, uh, I want to share Dylan's story with you. So this is Dylan. Some of you guys might, might recognize Dylan. Uh, Dylan came to Relevant for the first time earlier this year, I think like in March. Um, since then, his life has been drastically transformed. Uh, Dylan put his faith in Jesus during our I Am series. Shortly after that, he joined a college T-Life group. And in that group, he met Hudson, who is the other guy in this photo, that one. Uh, and so in, in the T-Life group, he met Hudson, and he, and he could see in Hudson that, man, Hudson has this passion for God's word. He has this passion for reading and understanding the Bible, and I need to learn more about the Bible. Like, this is what Dylan's thinking. I need to learn more about it. And so he asked. He asked Hudson, like, how do you teach me how, how to read the Bible? Teach me how to understand what I'm reading. And so they met, and, and, and Hudson walked him through how to do that. Within weeks of putting his faith in Jesus, Dylan was reading the Bible and he was understanding what he was reading. He was just so hungry to absorb God's word. It was just awesome to see. Now Dylan is on staff here at Relevant, on paid staff. He's our Relevant Kids LDP. He's pursuing a double major in biblical studies and Christian ministry. He wasn't following Jesus a year ago. I was talking to Dylan about my sermon and I mentioned Paul's words, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And, and man, Dylan had a great response. He said that was so true of his relationship with Hudson. Here's what he said. Uh, Dylan said, I can't imitate Paul. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen Paul yet. <laughs> He's like, is that something like part of the Christian journey that I haven't seen yet? He's like, I haven't seen Paul yet, so I can't imitate him. But I can imitate Hudson as he imitates Christ. I can see how he follows Jesus, what decisions he makes. I can even think, what would Hudson do in this situation? I have a person in my life that I can see and talk to that is modeling Christ to me that I can follow. I couldn't have said that better myself. His life would not, he says his life would not be the same if it wasn't for, for, for Hudson's presence in his life. Following a model makes it easier to follow Jesus. As I said earlier, following Jesus is really hard. Like we know this. Right? If today's next step was just follow Jesus more, you'd all be like, great, that's, thanks, that's not really helpful. It's really hard to follow Jesus. 
Uh, and Jesus said it would be, right? He didn't say it would be easy. He said it would be difficult. So if you struggle with following Christ, if you struggle with uh, obeying what, what, what Jesus commands us, if, if you're someone who struggles with wanting so much to become more of the person that God created you to be, you're not alone. Believe me, you're not alone. Like I said earlier, I struggle with this all the time. I want so badly to become more of the person that God created me to be right now. I want to be better. I want to not struggle. I want to be more like Christ. So if you're feeling that way, I just want you to know God's not done with you. God's not given up on you. That you can become the person that he has created you to be. But he never intended for you to do it alone. He never intended for us to figure this all out on our own. And if you're trying to do it on your own, you're cheating yourself and you're spinning your wheels and it's going to be a lot harder for you to follow Jesus and it's going to be a lot harder for you to experience the transforming work that he wants to do in your heart and your life and your relationships through you. God has put people in your life to follow as they follow Christ. So who are you following that's making it easier for you to follow Jesus. Who are you following that's making it easier for you to follow Jesus? Imagine if we had this culture here at Relevant, this culture where, um, you know, we were learning from each other, where, where people uh, who were less experienced were, were learning from the example of people who were more experienced, where um, young men and women learned from older, godly men and women, where young mothers and fathers learned from experienced parents, well, those new or struggling in marriage learned from those who had been through some of those same struggles. Church, let's make it easier on ourselves. Let's make it easier on ourselves and trying to, instead of trying to reinvent the wheel and figure this out on our own, let's find Christ-like people that we can follow as they follow him. As I close, I just want to quickly talk to two groups of people. Uh, the first is those of you who would call yourselves followers of Christ. And, and, and my challenge for you is that models don't fall from trees, right? If, if, if people are going to model themselves after other Christ followers, somebody's got to be the models, right? And it's tempting to think like, oh, that's for the, the experienced, seasoned Christ followers. But it's not. It's a call for all of us. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you are called to imitate him because others need to be able to imitate you in order to follow him. So are you somebody who can be modeled after? Are you somebody who, if, if somebody imitates you, that they will then imitate Christ? What are you modeling to others? Would others be following Jesus by following you? The second uh, group I want to talk to is those who would say, I haven't put my faith in Jesus. I wouldn't call myself a follower of Jesus. For you, you just need to know, like, God wants to transform your life. He wants to transform your heart. He wants to transform you more into everything he has created you to be. And that happens when you follow Jesus one next step at a time. But it's, it's really hard to follow Jesus when we don't have, you don't have that saving relationship with Jesus. And so if, if something I said today stirred your heart and you're like, Man, I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like I want more of God in my life. I would invite you to put your faith in Jesus today, to ask him to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. When you do that, when you make that decision, when you, when you begin that relationship with Jesus, not only are your sins forgiven, past, present, and future, forever, but also the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God actually takes up residence inside you and begins to transform you from the inside out. 
So if you want to make that decision today, as I close, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer that you can pray along with me in your own words, in your own heart, to, to make Jesus the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. So pray with me. If that's you and you want to make that decision, just pray something like, Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. I believe that because of your death and your resurrection, you can be that Savior. I ask for you to forgive me of my sins. And I put my trust in you. I surrender my life to you. I ask that you would become the leader of my life from this point forward. Amen. And God, just for everybody else, uh, for, for those um, whose hearts were, were just struck by uh, just this, this idea of, of following someone else as they follow you, of imitating uh, another Christ follower as they imitate you. God, I pray that um, you would help us to identify those people in our lives, to find those people in our lives that, that, that are following you, that we can model after. God, I, uh, I ask that you would give us the courage to, to watch and ask, to, to ask how, how they are doing uh, what they're doing, how they are living the life that they are living, uh, and so that we can learn from them, God. Um, I pray that uh, whether it's this relationship or any relationship, God, that you would begin to, uh, through this series, just stir up a desire in each of us to not want to be transformed in isolation, but to want to experience your transforming power through the church, through one another, as we try to do this not alone. God, I just thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're with us. I thank you that you are transforming us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.